Thank you, Hunter. Wow, I love being here on Sunday mornings. I'm telling you. I, uh, I get up on Sunday mornings sometimes, I'll have to admit, and I, rather than thinking, good morning, Lord, I think, good Lord, morning. And uh, you know what? And those Sunday mornings, sometimes I get up like that because, you know, there's a sense that this is a work day for me, all right? So, you know, and I'm thinking all oh, the things I have to have done. But I guarantee you, and there are leadership that can testify to this, I start off the morning dragging on Sunday mornings, just like, oh, so much to do, so much to do. And just being here with God's church on Sunday morning is, is probably the, the best hours of my, of my week right here. So, guys, thank you. And the worship together and hearing your voices singing and praising God together with you guys, that is a part of what it's, what it's all about. And, guys, if you're watching us online, too, Man, we're glad you joined us online, but man, it is nothing like being here in person. So, um, uh, but except I want to say hi to you guys from Paintbrush today because we'll be joining you this afternoon for our service there. But glad to have you guys here with us also at, uh, at Paintbrush Assisted Living Care. So, guys, thank you for being here today. Thank you for being a part of what we're doing today. And, you know, if you're a guest today, we're so we're take such an honor that you've decided to join with us today. And, and we take that as a, as, as a sacred trust and uh, we're just glad that you were here, glad that you're worshiping with us today. Um, and you're going to find this is a pretty welcoming place right here, a pretty, uh, place that, that um, man, whatever baggage you bring with us, we're going like, yeah, we got a whole room of baggage over there. Just lay it over there. We're all, we'll all get to it eventually, okay? Um, we've all got it going here. You know, I've been thinking this week and talking with a few people, and, um, you know, how many of you are, like, happy with the direction the world's going right now? Yeah, nobody raised their hand. And I think, you know what, I think if you'd ask non-Christians that, they would all pretty much say the same thing. But sometimes, like me, do you ever feel like, okay, let's just be honest, this is not the way it is, but do you ever feel like it's just hopeless? Like you just see the stupidity of some things that happen in our government sometimes. This is not about Republican or Democrat, just all of them are crazy as can be. Um, you know, or you see what, what, what happens with people out just in the in the stores and on the streets and things like that and man with the holidays coming it's going to get worse in the stores too that kind of thing uh and sometimes it just feels up like it's just never going to get fixed it's never going to be right and in a sense that's true that's part of the message that we're a broken world and it's never going to be right until jesus returns but he's put us here to make a difference and sometimes it just feels like to me like i'm not making a difference and when I do that, I, get th I want to remember this encouragement that Jesus had for us, that, that God has power and might far beyond anything we could imagine. And he's put us here for a purpose, to be influence. And so we're going to talk today about what I call the incredible influence of devoted disciples. All right? That you may feel like we don't have influence. And we feel like things are not happening like they should. But I'm going to tell you, we don't have to be big in numbers. We don't have to be out there on the, on the street corners or on television or in the movies to make a difference. I want to give an example of it. Have you ever heard the term exoplanet? All right, you know that, that for a while we didn't know there were any other planets now. We've got telescopes. We, got that, uh, we had the Hubble telescope. And then what's the new one that's up there? The, 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 uh, what's, what's it called? The, yeah, that, okay, that one there. So that's out there seeing all those things. And they've discovered a lot of exoplanets. And uh, one of the ways they've discovered exoplanets is something called 
radial velocity, and they've discovered over a thousand planets with this. And I want to kind of show you what radial velocity is. So we've got a little video here. It's just a little short clip, about 30 seconds. That as a planet moves around the sun, its star, the sun, actually, it causes the sun, their sun, to wobble a little bit. And scientists learn how to measure the wobble of suns. The Earth makes our sun wobble a little bit. And so by noticing that wobble, they've discovered over a thousand exoplanets. Now here's what I want you to see about that, to notice about that. And you may think, like, that's crazy. But it's absolutely true. They can measure this. The sun is 33, uh, 330,000 times the mass of the Earth. In other words, you could put 330,000 Earths into the sun. Yet, even though it's so much bigger than the sun, the Earth causes the sun to wobble three meters, okay, each second. So it moves about three meters per second because of the influence of the Earth. So something that is so much tinier can actually have influence on something greater like that. And Jesus said that Christians are to have an influence on others. But we may feel like we are greatly outnumbered by people who don't follow Jesus. Or Christians who've gone off the rails in following Jesus sometimes. That, that, that's as crazy sometimes as, as others. And especially here in California, we feel like, oh my gosh, nobody, you know, we can feel like, like Elijah when he said, I'm the only one following Jesus. We're the only church doing anything or whatever. And God reminded Elijah that we're 7,000 other people that he could name that were following him. And I just want to remind you that even though we feel greatly outnumbered in a place like California, Jesus said we can still make a difference. And he explained it using two very simple things that we all experience and that even a first century audience would understand and a 21st century audience would understand. He talked about salt and light. It's in Matthew chapter 5. It's, if you have the handout, it's written there. It's also going to be on the screens or it's in the pew Bibles there if you want. So Matthew chapter 5, we're going to look at four verses, verses 13 to 16. So join me as we read. Jesus tells his disciples, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt should lose its taste, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything but to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city situated on a hill cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket, but rather on a lampstand, and it gives light to everyone who is in the house, to all who are in the house. In the same way, talking to us now, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. Let's pray. Father, as human beings and our limited knowledge, we sometimes forget how powerful and how wise you are. We forget, Father, sometimes about just the, the might, the, 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 the ability you have to make anything happen in our world. The ability you have to lead us to accomplish the task that you've given us. And Father, forgive us for the times that we feel useless and powerless or hopeless. And Father, through these images today and through your word and through your Holy Spirit, remind us that you have not only given us a task to do, but you, Father, have given us the power and the full ability to do it. In Jesus' name we pray. pray. Amen. All right, so salt and light. We all know a little bit about those things. We use them all the time. We're using light today. 
All right, so you get, you get that, you understand it. But let's talk a little bit about what Jesus said in these things. I know if you've been a Christian for more than five years, you've probably already heard a sermon on this. So I may not say anything new, but maybe we take a new take on it for, for our church today. But let's talk about the influence that salt has. Salt has a lot of influence in a lot of different ways. First, salt is very important. Salt was, uh, is important for us today. In fact, we could not survive without salt. We have to have a certain percentage of salt. If your body gets too much salt or too little salt, it will cease to function. Salt is a necessary part. Now, I know here in the, in the U.S., most of us get way too much salt. I get that. And you think when we hear about it, cut back, cut back your salt, cut back your salt, we may think salt's bad. No, salt is necessary. Too much salt is bad, but we, salt is necessary and important. In fact, salt was one of the most important commodities of the ancient world. And again, I'm maybe thinking of people my age and older. Has anybody ever heard the phrase that somebody being worth their salt? Have you ever heard that phrase? For those of you who don't know, that's just saying if somebody's valuable or not, or somebody was useless, you'd say that person's not worth their salt. Like, where does that come from? It comes back from the days of the first century. In the Roman Empire, soldiers were often paid with salt. It was used like coinage, like you would be paid a pound of salt for your day's wages, or not a pound, but probably a pound of salt for like a week's wages or something. It was valuable enough that soldiers would take it, they would use what they would need, they could sell it off, but it was, it was just like money back then. And so when they said a soldier wasn't worth his salt, it means he wasn't worth his pay at that point. So here's what I want to say this, is we look at that salt is important. Salt adds value to things. And so here's the question I have for you. Do we as a church, and we as individual Christians, do we add value to our community? If we're going to be salt, if Jesus says we are the salt of the earth, he's saying that the very fact that we exist, the very fact that you go to work, that you shop in a, in, in a neighborhood stores and things like that, your presence should add value to people. It should make them, uh, th th there should be like there's something important in, in your being there. In fact, we talked about a couple of weeks ago about the fact that if our church disappeared, this closed our doors this afternoon, would our community feel sad? Would they feel a sense of loss? I know that some in our community would, but I also know that many of you have ministries, that you have influence in your in your families, in your place of work, that if your Christian witness were to disappear, that place would lose value because Jesus makes us valuable to our communities, just like salt. When he says you are the salt of the earth, he's saying the very fact that you go to school, the very fact you go to work, the very fact that you're in a family means you have an important part, that you are being an influence there everywhere you go. And I see evidence of our church being valuable, but I want to encourage us that one of the things we need to look at is where can we go and add value to people because of what Jesus has done in our life that we can do in their lives. That was the first importance of salt there, influence of salt. Another influence of salt has that salt was used to preserve and to heal. It was used in a, in a lot of different ways. By drying food up, and salt is... is um, what is it? I can't think of the word for it there, but it's a dehydrating factor. I can't, I, I can't remember the word. You know, like when you buy a new pair of shoes or something that has that little packet of, of stuff that, desiccant, there we go, desiccant. That's the, I had to think of the word there, all right? Uh, so salt was used as a desiccant back then. It would dry up the moisture in, in meat and help it preserve so that the bad stuff couldn't grow in it. It killed the microbes because it caused them to lose water and to shrivel. And salt, for the same reason, it killed bad stuff. It was used as an antiseptic. For example, 
If you've ever had a cut on your hand and then you touch something salty, what do you experience? Ow, yeah. And you've ever heard the term pouring salt in a wound for causing pain, but it was used actually for healing because it helped kill some of the bacteria by causing it to dry up. Now, we've got better things than that today, but back in that day, salt was good for wounds. It was used as an antiseptic. So this is what, now some of you are going to go like, yes, finally he's talking about this kind of stuff, but let's be really honest. Our world is broken. Our world is corrupt. Our world is not what it should be. And our world is spoiling. It's getting eaten up from the inside. It is full of bad stuff. And Christians are caused, called to bring healing to this world by bringing healing to people, by healing to families, to communities, to organizations, and even to nations. That's what Jesus said when he said, you're the salt of the earth, that our influence should cause our world, individual after individual, to turn their hearts towards Jesus and find healing in themselves so they can, be, so they can pass that healing on to others. It doesn't happen from us standing on street corners and holding up placards. It doesn't happen for us getting up and yelling and demanding our rights. It happens for us getting involved with people and showing them the love of Christ and getting into their messiness. I mean, you think about when salt got poured into a wound. Imagine yourself getting poured into a wound with blood, and I won't talk about all the other stuff. This is getting recorded. I don't want to have that stuff. You know what it's like when there's a wound there? Um, and that means sometimes it gets messy for us as Christians. But we are called sometimes to jump into people's mess as they invite us in and help them find where God is working in their lives, find what God is wanting them to do. But it causes us to get messy. We're going to get bloody. We're going to get dirty. But that's the only way we can influence. So here's the next question I have for us. Do we as a church and you individuals, do we provide healing for our community? Do we help cleanse out the bad out of people's lives through Jesus? Now, only Jesus can provide that healing. But we're the vehicle through which people learn about Jesus. So do we provide healing both as a church and as individuals? When we go out like we did last week and we go out to the, to the park, and uh, thank you guys, all of you who went out last week. I know it was a blessing to Cindy. She was gone, and yet you guys still are able to, to go out there and, and work. We don't go out there just so that we can feel good about ourselves. We don't go out there just because it just seems like the right thing to do, but we go out there because we have something they need, not just the food, but the bread of life, Jesus. And that's what we go out there for, to help them change their lives and find healing. Sometimes it just happens to be somebody to sit down and listen to them and just help them find where God is in their life right now. But we should provide healing. Now, I think we do a good job of that as a church. Could we do better? Yes. But I think we can get out there. I think we're doing a good job of that. But I think a lot of times we as Christians get provide healing for people just sort of incidental. We're not even thinking about it. We're sort of like salt gets splashed on somebody. We're just sort of like splashing salt on people. But think of it this way. Now, I, I know this is a bad way to look at it, but I, I know we have some gun fanatics in the church, so you might do it. What if we didn't just splash people with salt, but what if we assaulted them? Okay? In fact, I got this right there, all right? Anybody ever used one of those? What if we all became bug? I've never used one. They tell me that works, though, okay? But could you imagine, wait a minute, could you imagine Fresno Church being known as a church not to shoot people with bad, 
Not to kill people, not to kill, but to be to people that say, I'm going to target you with salt, with God's healing, with God's love, with God's compassion. What would that say about this church right here? Oh, it would say that at first it would draw people here. Not for our glory, but because we provide what Jesus told to provide. It also means some people out there would hate us because we'd be getting in their business. And that's okay, all right? I imagine it's not fun to get hit with an assault gun, but with a bug assault gun. Sorry, let me make sure I'm... All right, I'm not advocating something you think I'm not here. But could you imagine that? I know that's a silly image, but kind of think about that. How can I assault people in Jesus' way? Uh, Maybe that's not the best way to look at it, but uh, just think about that. Well, let's turn to another more pleasant thing. Salt not only heals, salt not only preserves, salt's not only important, but salt also adds flavor. There's a more positive way of looking at it. Salt suppresses bitter flavor and adds a taste dimension to sweetened foods and sour foods both. You know what it's like, okay? You've all bitten into something that doesn't have enough salt on it, and you, 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 you put it on there, and what, what, just what a difference it makes. My dad had a saying that said, he'd say something like, that hadn't even been in the same room with salt, all right? And he would have put salt on it, okay? Now I, but, but think about that. If we were the kind of, you know, just like salt adds flavor to food, if there are people to say, when this Christian gets involved in it, it adds joy, it adds flavor, it adds dimension. We get to see life deeper than we did before. Could we be the kind of church that adds adds brightness and color to people's life? Not because we're so wonderful, but because we have a wonderful Jesus who works inside of us. That's what he's called us to do. So here's the question I want to ask is, does our church add joy to our community and to people? Do we make lives richer by by them knowing us and by them knowing our Jesus? Should we add joy? You know, and I, I, I thank you, Fresno churches. You're not one of the churches that are like this, but I've seen Christians look like they got up in the morning, first thing in the morning, drank a bowl of vinegar and looked at something to get mad about. All right? That's why I don't usually read the Fresno Bee in the morning, okay? Because I don't want to be mad first thing in the morning, okay? But that's not what God's called us to do. Yes, we're supposed to stand up against sin. We're supposed to, we're supposed to, be, we're supposed to point out. We're supposed to do the healing and the painful stuff, but we also add joy. We had do, you know, so sometimes you want to look at Christians and go, do you have Jesus in your heart? Can you get him to spread to your face? All right, so we could see it there a little bit. So let's work it, and, and church, I think you guys do a great job of that, and I think we could do better, but if people knew what we have in Jesus, they would come in part of it. In fact, when I hear about Jesus, crowds would flock to hear him. When Jesus would speak, and 5,000 men plus women and children showed up to hear him, and that was before the days of image magnification and, and sound, you know, uh, sound stuff. He had to shout it out, and people would flock to him. At one point, the disciples had to chase little children away from Jesus because I think when Jesus walked into a room, walked into a place, kids flocked to him. In fact, the image I try to think of Jesus is this one from uh, our former governor, kindergarten cop. If you ever saw that movie... There's Arnold Schwarzenegger with kids crawling on him over him. Here's Jesus, that big buff carpenter's son that, that had the muscles of what a carpenter would need. And he would walk in and kids just flocked to him. Why? Because he said, thou shalt not do this and that. No, because he added joy to their lives. He gave them meaning. And we have that same Jesus living in us. Could we be that kind of people that, that this is what they think of when they think of us? That this is where the party starts. Because this person with Jesus walked into the room. Um, Robert Louis Stevenson, the guy who wrote Treasure Island, 
wrote in his journal one time, this is back in the 1800s, he wrote, I have been to church today and I'm not depressed. Man, I wonder how many people out there feel like that. But we've got a joy to share with them. We share it with them here in this room, but we share it with it out there when we walk out. This is where we come to celebrate out there so we go to work, but we take the celebration with us. One more thing about salt that I want to share with you. Salt causes thirst. All right? Salt, as the blood becomes saltier, the body wants, wants more water to dilute the salinity in our blood. And so we as Christians ought to produce a thirst for God in people. Are you living your life in such a way that they say, I don't know what, what they've taken, but I want some of it. All right? Whatever your own dude, that's what I want. That's the kind of lives we ought to lead. That's our check when we go out there. Are we causing people to want what we have? I remember a friend of mine, I, you know, I'd spent a lot of time in youth ministry, and a friend of mine one time was talking about a kid that, that he was working with, a student, that said, um, that said I, I'm, I'm the only Christian in my family, and I'm trying to witness to my mom, but she won't have anything to hear about it. She won't talk to me about Jesus. She didn't, don't even listen about it. He said, I'll tell you, here's what you do. He said, you go home tonight, and you clean up your room. When you get up in the morning, make up your bed, okay? When you uh, help your mom with dinner t tomorrow night. He said, I want you to do that every day for, for two weeks. It's like, what? Well, said, I don't want you to argue with your mom. Don't want you to do anything like that. Just be an obedient kid and just follow. And he said, what's going to happen if you do that? My mom, he said, my mom's going to look at me and go, what's gotten into you? He said, that's when you tell her what's gotten into you. Be one who adds joy. Now, I know that talks about like, you know, don't be, don't be using this to, to get your kids to make their beds or whatever, okay? That's not what it's about. But it's about showing a difference in our lives that says, people say, what's happened to you? And that's when we can tell them about Jesus. So here, do we as a church and individuals cause people to want to know our Jesus? That's what Jesus talked about. Not just, so when he said you're salt of the earth, he wasn't talking about just like, oh, it means you're, you're good out there somewhere. No, he said it's a lot of things. It means you're important. It means that you should preserve and should, should heal. It means you should flavor the world around you. It means you should cause people to thirst to want to know me. That's what he's saying. Now, salt works in a way that's invisible. In fact, if you, seek, if you can see the salt on your food, unless it's a pretzel, you probably got too much of it, all right? You know, salt is usually invisible when it works. But light works in a different way. Light works in a visible way. So let's now move towards the influence of light. And light has a lot of influence to it. First, light gives vision and shows direction. Light works in a full view. In fact, it, we've talked about this before at night. At, at night, when, you're, you know, when you get up to go to the restroom or whatever it might, or get a drink of water, and you don't turn on the lights, and the furniture moves on you, as we know it does, and you stub your toe, okay? But if you turn on the light, it freezes the furniture. And you can see that you can see the path to go with. Light gives direction, keeps you from getting injured, shows you the way to go. And Christians should be helping others to see their way towards God, to help them find the right path for their lives. That's part of our job. Why didn't God take you to heaven immediately when, when you, you know, so God loves you and you became a Christian? Why didn't he take you to heaven just like that? Because he left you here to be light, to show people the path, to show them the way they go. And so here's the question I have. Do we as a church, do we direct our community in the right paths? Do we help show them the right way? Yes, we add joy to their lives. We provide healing. But then we've got to say, hey, brother, hey, sister, this is, this is where Jesus wants you to go next. This is where God is leading you. We're here to help you find what that next step is. And that's that thing we call spiritual formation. 
Each one of us, by being here at this church, should learn a little more about how we need to grow as a Christian, what our next steps to be are. Because I'm looking around, I don't think any of you have attained, attained to Jesushood yet, have you? I don't, let's see. No, nobody yet, all right? And that means we've got a ways to go. And we help each other do that, and we help that world do that, to learn the way that they go, to give direction to our community. Second, light reveals problems. If something is wrong, if there's an obstacle in the way, light shows where there's an obstacle, where there's a path, where there's an error. Christians are to show others, well, we can say it this way, we lay it two ways, we can say, to show you the error of your ways, but not by criticizing or just by correcting them, but by showing them a better way. In fact, 2 Timothy 2.25 talks about how that we should correct people with gentleness so that God can, can guide them to a better path. To not to criticize them, not to just show them a, a, a strong correction, but to gently guide them towards what's happening. Now, you could say, but aren't there people out there? Yeah, there are people out there that aren't wanting to follow God, and we have to be firm against them, but that's not what Jesus was talking about when he's talking about light. It's to show us, it's to help us show people the correct way to travel. So that's the next question. Do we as a church and as individuals, do we correct our community? Do we help correct the wrongs that are happening? That's something we should be doing. That we should give them direction, and when we need to, we give them correction. But with gentleness and love, speaking the truth in love. Third, light reveals truth. Light reveals truth because, you know, some, we've all done it. You've woken up in the middle of the night, and you've seen a shadow, and it looks like something that's weird, and it just, you freeze, you freak out, and then you turn, it, turn on the light, and then you realize, oh, it's my jacket that I left on the treadmill that hadn't been used in, in five years that's now a clothes hanger, okay, in the room, but it was just the shadow from that light. But you turn on the light, and you realize, it, but light reveals truth. It helps you see what really is going on. Um, if you, we have a few Disney, Disney freaks in here, don't we, that like Disney? Okay, like the Haunted Mansion? The ride, yeah, the ride, not the, not the movie, it was, yeah, I didn't watch that, but the ride, it's pretty good, okay? Have you ever seen pictures of it in the daylight? It's just not, it's not scary at all. There's nothing weird, there's nothing impressive about it at all. There's nothing, when you turn the lights on, it's like, oh, I see how this works. This is not, you know, it shows you the truth, but when you, but they keep it dark in there so they can do all the special effects, right? But when you show the light on something, that reveals truth. Some, some of you, some of you could probably go home today and just take, just take a random wall in your kitchen and shine a bright flashlight on it, and you'll probably see where there's some stains that you have gotten, that you have missed somewhere that don't show up in the, in the dark, in the, in the dim light as much, but in bright light, they'll show up much more. So light reveals truth. In fact, in John 3, verses 19 and 20, Jesus said, uh, uh, John said this about Jesus. This is the judgment. Light has come into the world. And people love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone who ha does evil hates the light and avoids it so that his deeds may not be exposed. And we are caused as Christians to help expose evil so that people can understand what God wants to do in their lives and where God is at work. And so um, so does we, do we help perfect our community? Sorry, I skipped that a little earlier. We talked about directing our community to correcting our community, but helping them see the truth. We should help perfect our community as well. Uh, 
Third, fourth here, light always conquers darkness. This is the weirdest thing that I think about light. I always know, do you know what? It can never be so dark that you cannot see light. But can it, it can be so light that you cannot see darkness. Light always pushes away darkness. Okay? If you played a game of rock, paper, scissors with darkness and light, light would always win, okay? It never loses. Darkness never has power over light. We will always triumph over evil. That doesn't mean that evil will never befall anything because we live in a broken world. But ultimately, we triumph. We win because we are light. Okay? So, because we win, we as a church are also there to protect our community. That we provide protection of our community when we pray over them, when we when we correct them, when we direct them, when we perfect them, we help protect them because we are helping them stand up against the darkness. And everybody who comes into our church or listens online should be stronger against the darkness around them because of our time together and our time with Jesus. That's what we're called to be as a church. In uh, John, again, in chapter 1, verses 4 and 5, he says, this is great verses. These are good memory verses for you. He said, in him was life, and the life, that life was the light of men. That light shines in the darkness, and yet the darkness did not overcome it. That great verse. Let's look at that again. Say that with me. Read that with me, okay? I want you to hear it. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. That light shines in the darkness, and yet the darkness did not overcome it. That's the promise from Jesus. You are light. You are the light of the world, and darkness cannot beat you. It can beat a lot of people out there that don't know Jesus, but you're able to share the light with them so that they can have victory over darkness as well. I, how can that not fill you with the sense of like, we can't lose. This is it. It's like, okay, this is like all right, football fans. This is like, the quarterback going for a Hail Mary when he already knows there's been a, a, a penalty on the defense. It's a freebie, man. You get out there and throw it. Even if it goes bad, you still win because you get a, you get a, you get a, free, a free down again. All right? It's, uh, it's like playing a video game, and you know you just got an extra life. Okay, I can take some, I can take some chances now because I, it, it, it can't beat me here at this point. This is it for eternity. The light wins. Darkness cannot beat us. So we can go out there and do wondrous things for God because we are going to win. I'm sorry, that's more excited I've gotten anything in a long time here, all right? Sorry about that. I just get, it's when, it's when Jesus starts talking to me in this and like, all right, we'll wind up going long if I don't wind up. Okay, calm down, Daryl. All right. Let's make it a little bit difficult now. I've talked about all this positive stuff. Here's, here's the tougher part. To have that kind of influence requires purity requires some purity and Jesus talked about that all right we know pure salt cannot be tasteless it's sodium chloride that's all it is but why salt's an amazing thing I, I love this is just God's magic I don't know if you know this but but chlorine is a poisonous gas and sodium is a highly volatile metal that explodes with water but you put it together either one of those things by themselves could be dangerous to you but you put them together and they become something that helps protect life.
That's what salt is. But pure salt cannot become tasteless. So what did Jesus mean when he said, if the salt has become tasteless, how can it be made pure again? Well, back in that day, they didn't have purification processes like we do. And so, um, so they actually could have salt that could be mixed in with other minerals, with other things. Gypsum, usually, was one of the things that it was mixed in with. And what would happen is you would store, if the salt would get wet, that gypsum or other impure minerals would sometimes leach out of it, or the salt, sorry, the salt, the sodium chloride would leach out of it because it was more volatile to be able to do that. And then you might be left with something that looks like salt, but it's just gypsum. And so they didn't know how to tell the difference. They would just say, wow, this salt has become tasteless. So the only thing it was good for was to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. And you think, well, why did they do that? Was it to keep the roads from freezing like they do in Detroit? No. And so you had salt. You didn't want to throw it on the soil because that would make the soil infertile. So the only place to throw it was on the road where people would walk on it. Horses and cows and oxen would poop on it. That kind of stuff. It was just, I'm, I'm, yes, I said poop from the pulpit. All right. It's, we've all had kids, all right. Um, so, um, but that's, you know, that's, that's all it's good for. And he says, if you become tasteless, you become impure, you're not going to be able to be salt. You're not good for anything anymore. You know, um, by the way, our salt today is considered, it, it, the U.S. government considers it food grade if it's 97.5% pure salt. Now, some of us have fallen into this with Himalayan salt, which has apparently uh, 68, uh, no, 84 other natural minerals in it. I don't know why anybody would do this stuff, but anyway, somebody gave me this a while back. But that is impure salt right there. You can still taste the salt in it. That other stuff in there is not, and if you were to, Come up here, if you want to take one of the darker crystals and bite into it, it's not salty at all. It just, it, you taste the impurity there in it. But that's what Jesus was talking about there. And if you like him, I'm not criticizing Himalayan salt if that's what you like. But anyway, but I'm just saying that's the idea of it. If you get impure, you can't do what Jesus has called us to do. So, what about light? Light can't do anything if it's covered or blocked. And that's why Jesus said, you're not going to take a light and put it, under, put it under a basket. You're not going to be able to do that. But what, if you want the light to shine, you not only put it there, but you put it on the lampstand. Sometimes it was a stand like we would have today. Sometimes it was a cutout in the wall to put it on. But you put the light up where it gives light to the whole house. But if there's something blocking your light, then you're not being who Jesus called you to be. If you want to remember that, if you ever went to vacation Bible school, you probably learned the little song. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. And there's that line, hide it under a bushel. No, I'm going to let it shine. Yeah, in children's church, vacation Bible school, Sunday school, you learn that basic truth. You can't hide it. And here's, so here's what Jesus is saying to us. If there is impurity in your life, if you're entertaining some kind of secret sin, you can't be salt and light. If your life isn't pure, if there's something that you've let get into your life that says where, where the power of evil, where Satan has a foothold in your life, then you're less likely to do any of that benefit to your community that Jesus talked about. And let me put it this way. You are then worthless gypsum. It's only good to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. And that's not what Jesus called you to be. Now, don't hear me say that your life is hopeless. I'm just saying 
when we get that sin, we take care of that sin in our life, confess it to Jesus, forsake it, find ways to avoid it, then we become the salt and the light Jesus called us to be. There has to be a clean connection between you and God for you to communicate truth to others. So how do we do that? So we look at salt and light, I notice two big differences with them. First, salt works by getting into things. Salt works, but you've got to get into stuff. You've got to get involved to be with salt. So, yeah, get involved there to be like salt. And so look around everywhere you go. Think, who in this situation needs to be assaulted? Who in this situation needs to have the salt of Jesus poured on them? Needs to be rubbed with salt. Needs to be, uh, don't, don't worry with those images too much, okay? Whatever one fits for you, all right? To get involved with them. And that's where the messiness comes in but it means certain times we have to get involved. That's why we encourage everybody in our church to be involved in some kind of ministry. Some of our ministries happen here in the church, like worship, like tech, like children's church, that kind of stuff, but some of the ministries are involved out there. But get involved in a ministry where you start getting into people's lives and you start, well, to use the christian stuff, doing life with them, to learning about their messiness and seeing where God is at work in their lives. And it, it calls, it, it calls for, some, for some exposure on your part. I mean, salt that stays in the container is pretty safe. This salt will last practically forever if it stays right here. But it gets out into where it needs to be. It's not going to look like this anymore. It's going to change. It's going to be different. And sometimes you've got to get out there and be different to get involved in your world. Don't be afraid of it. It's what Jesus has called you to be. He did not call you just to be here in a church. He called you to be out there in the world as salt. You know, there's an old saying that says, a ship in a harbor is safe, but that's not what ships were built for. A Christian here in this church is safe, but that's not what Christians were built for. They were built to get out there and make a difference. And that leads us to our second thing, light works by going, getting out. Okay, if light stayed at the source, no one would see it. But get out there and get involved. We talked about these kind of things before. Go join a club. Go make new friends. Reach out to new people. Take a mission trip. Do something to get out there and get to know people and get involved with them. Reach out. Go beyond your comfort zone. You know, when a photon leaves a light source, it doesn't have any idea where it's going. And it's going to bounce around with several different things. But still, it has to get out. And you've got to get out and get involved. So be praying, God, where do you want me to get out? Where do you want me to expose myself as a believer to be able to share this message, to be able to bring joy, to bring, able to bring healing, to show, to show direction, to, to help people move forward? That's what God is calling us to do. And let's talk about that light for just a moment. I'm going to ask real quick, just black out the stage if you would for me. I'm going to black out for a moment. And I want to show you some things here, okay? All right. First, we talked about light pushing away darkness. All right, let me see if I can get my light to work right here, okay? Ah, wouldn't you know it, I start doing it, this, there we go. I mean, this is a bright light, if I shine it in your eyes right now, it would, it would hurt your eyes. So we think of bright lights like that, and it lights up stuff, and okay, I don't want to be too Halloweenish there, but, but, but you see how light works. But I want to show you something else here, okay? Where, I've got to run it where I put it now, so yeah, again, you have to use the light to see things. But look, even a little light. Here. You can all see that, can't you? Little tiny light. Light always pushes back darkness. Okay, we can bring the lights back up now. 
So I say, you don't have to be some big, powerful, super Christian, okay? You don't have to be to know everything in the Bible. You don't have to be able to just impress everybody with your Christianese or whatever it might be. Even the little tiniest light, even in here, you can see that light a little bit. So whether you feel like your light is bright or your light is still dim because you don't know enough about Jesus yet or you haven't learned or you're not a mature enough Christian, God still use, can use you. Even the tiniest light pushes away darkness. Even the smallest amount of salt. This is Panda Express soy sauce, okay? I expect a free meal for this, all right, for the plug, okay? Um, you know what? That we think of soy sauce. What's the main, what do you think of when you think of soy sauce? S sodium, salt. You know how much salt is in, is in soy sauce? 6% salt. 6% salt is all it is, but it's just amazingly salty. Okay? Nacho cheese Doritos, can you taste the salt in that? All right? It's 0.6% salt in a nacho cheese Dorito. But still, it makes a big difference. It doesn't have to be a big light. But it can be when we all work together. Look at this. I got a picture right here. This is uh, from one of my favorite vacations. This, they don't do this anymore. But this, I was at Walt Disney World. This is what's called the Osborne Family Christmas. And uh, 300,000 lights, okay, lighting up this area. And it did all sorts of light shows and stuff. My family would tell you, I'm not going to show you the video, but they have a video of me with the biggest, stupidest grin on my face that, I, that they've ever seen because I was just like, oh, my God. Okay, I'm a little bit on the spectrum, so the lights were like, oh, my gosh. I was just lost in it, okay? That, that's so cool. But, but you know what? When you get those little lights together, too, they can do some amazing things. So think of us, that's an image of what Christians ought to be to the world, adding light. Or if that one's not good enough for you, look at this next one here. You may not, it's not a good picture of it, but you may know what that is. That's the Las Vegas sphere, okay? 1.2 million lights, but it's amazing. Look, video, look at, uh, Google that sometime and look at, at that stuff. A huge kind of thing, beautiful stuff, but that's just lights getting together, all right? So here's what I want to say. We can cut that, that off now. Um, Jesus said this, you are the light of the world. Not you have the light of the world. You are the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth. Not you have the salt of the earth, but you are the salt of the earth because of what Jesus has done in your life. Many times Christians are more influenced by the world than they do influence the world. But you can change that. Jesus has promised us in his words that we can be change agents by changing the hearts of people. How do we get people to quit hurting each other, killing each other, stealing, robbing, throwing away their bodies with drugs or prostitution or, or just even pre, uh, extramarital sex and things like that that Christians rail about all the time and I agree with that we should be. But how do, we, how do we change that? Not by passing laws, not by getting in people's face, but by changing people's hearts. And that's what Jesus does through us, changing people's hearts. In a moment, I want to ask Hunter, Hunter, you can come on up now, okay? I've asked Hunter to close with a song that I want us all to sing together called This Little Light of Mine.
we're going to go back to Vacation Bible School. And for some of you may have never sung this before. We're going to have the words up there for you. I want you to do it as a song of commitment. Say, God, I recognize you've put the light within me. That's who you've made me. And I want to be the person who shares the light with the world. As you do, I want you to think about people and situations and places where you could be salt and light, where you could make a difference, where you could, again, we talked about protecting, directing, guiding, healing, bringing joy. That's what God has called us to be. That's why we're here. And if you want to be the person God has called you to be, you've got to be salt and you've got to be light. Let's praise Him.